Hello, my friends. How are you today? So good to see you. It is Trish Carr from Women's Prosperity Network, and it is my pleasure to be here with you again with another episode of Be Real, Get Real. And we at Women's Prosperity Network know that when you are real, the person that you are, and don't we all want to be authentically ourselves, that we are always at our best when we are being real and getting real. And I'm so excited to have with me today someone that you're going to get to know. Because it's uh, the, the whole story of this show is that we do business with people. You know, you think you do business with small business or you do business with Amazon or you do business with Macy's, but it's really people that we're doing business with. Even at my local grocery chain, which, you know, is a big national chain, it's those people that I see every day that make me want to come back. It's those people that pack my groceries and the person who takes the, the, uh, the food through the checkout. Those are the people I know and I see every day. I don't think of it as doing business with big business. It's business with people. And today I'm excited to have with me Elisa Lapolte. And Elisa is amazing. Wait till you hear her story about how she went from where she was to where she is today and breaking through many things that stopped her, which happens to many of us. You know, she has been a hard-hitting journalist and a lobbyist who's tackled tough issues and waged war against power stru structures in government and politics. This is my kind of girl right here, don't you know? Right. And right now, what she does is she helps impact driven change makers use their skills and expertise to reinvent themselves personally and professionally so that they can have a more satisfying and fulfilling career and a more satisfying, fulfilling life. So welcome, Alisa Lapolt. I'm so happy to have you with me today. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And hi, everybody who's watching. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to have you here. And, you know, I know you've been through it. Like, so when we met, you were in Tallahassee. And now you're living in Nashville mm -hmm. and uh, Music City, USA. And you had quite the journey along the way. And I didn't know that you were originally from East Tennessee. I was just asking about that today. I thought, oh, she might be a Florida girl. And how'd she end up in Nashville? And what you said was that uh, some of the struggles that you had to deal with actually brought you back to Tennessee. So tell me a little bit about what happened that got you there. Sure. So my story starts in Tallahassee, where um, at this particular time, I was a uh, lobbyist in front of the Florida legislature. And um, I had been a newspaper reporter for 15 years and then a lobbyist. And my whole theme in my career was seeking the truth, telling the truth, giving a voice to the people who had no power and taking on the people who were in charge, the authority figures. And in this particular case, I was, um, it was my birthday in 2013 and I was testifying on a very controversial bill in front of a legislative committee full of um, a conservative men. And um, it was a women's rights issue and didn't do the greatest job, I'll admit it. And the opposition got a hold of my video testimony 
uh, spread it all across the internet media. Um, it was a media frenzy. They said things that I didn't say. Lies were told about me. And before my eyes, I was watching my entire career crumble in front of me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I got death threats. Um, other, oh lobbyists, other lobbyists were going after my clients and telling them she's done at the Florida Capitol. You just need to ditch her and give the contract to me. So, you know, you hear about this happening to high level politicians. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will never forget after the Democratic primary uh, several years ago, and now I'm not going to remember his name, of course, but the person who won the primary like in New Hampshire, he was screaming, we won, we won, and they took that film and they sent it out and he couldn't win another race because he came across like a crazy person. Right. And all he was doing was celebrating his win. Right. So you were taken out of context. People were sharing small bits about what you said and how you said it so that they could totally discredit you. Right. And that's what goes on. I mean, and here's... Here's Elisa, who's a person. She's not the president. She's not the congressperson. And they just destroyed your career. That, I can't imagine what that was like for you. Well, they tried to. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> they didn't win. <laughs> they did not. But what also made it difficult was literally the same week I was going through a divorce. I filed for divorce. Um, my husband at the time and I worked together. So in one day, as these news reports were on the Hannity show and O'Reilly Factor, and they were talking about me, I was sitting in a courthouse in a courtroom getting my divorce and fina finalizing the divorce. And then I got on the telephone and I called my attorney and I said, how do I make this stop? They're... The, they're lying about me there. And he's like, there's nothing you can do. And this was before the era of fake news. Okay. So, um, well, that was before the era of what it was labeled, but it was, right. Right. but you know, well said. let me repeat that. You called your attorney and said, how do I make this stop? And your attorney said, I'm sorry, you can't. People right. can trash your reputation, trash everything you've built and there's nothing you can do. I mean, right. just think about that for a moment, everybody. Just think about that. For, for people who put themselves out there, like Elisa did, to be a stand for a cause that was work, helping women, her, her career was getting trashed and there was nothing she could do. And sometimes when you think you have problems, I want you to remember that. Because this, she she wasn't able to control. So go ahead. I couldn't I couldn't help missing that key factor. No, that, that's fine. Um, as soon as I got off the phone with the attorney, I called a friend of mine who had a PR firm in Tallahassee. Again, I said, "How do I make this stop?" And she says, "You can't. You lay low for the next year, and don't say a word, and don't get in the media." And I did, and and I was so thankful. Um, my clients stuck stuck with me. I had other lobbyists stand up for me. Legislators stood up for me, and it was amazing. But there was one day I remember. Um, I just, you know, when people were coming after me and the death threats, and I just I was at my home in Tallahassee, and I just like fell to the floor and I said, "God, 
why is this happening? Why are you doing this to me? And there was no answer. I guess right. I was expecting angels to come tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, the big da-da-da-da from the sky. No, it didn't happen that way. And I realized then that I had to do it myself. I had to find the resilience and the strength within me to strategize myself through this. And along the way, I did realize that God was with me and my faith has certainly um, gotten stronger during this time and, and then the other things that ensued over the next 10 years. Other things that ensued over that you thought, oh, I'm finished. I laid low for a year. I did what they told me. I also want to mention that because of who you are, because of your reputation, you did have supporters come out and do what they could on your behalf. And that's a big part of life and business, you know, that you're, that people can say what they want to say about you, but because of who you are and because of your reputation and because of the way you've always been with other people, they did come to your aid, even though it wasn't enough because you're fighting a big, you're fighting a huge conglomerate when you're dealing with issues that cause these rifts between us. Right. So, yeah. And then it didn't end there. There was like that. You think, okay, I, I, I laid low and then what happened? Yeah. And professionally things did settle out and I continued to um, lobby. I got involved with um, a mental health organization in Florida and did some great work there on mental health uh, for students. And I, I just love advocating and lobbying for those issues. Um, and I, I do that here in Tennessee as well. But um, just the personal things that happened over the next um, 10 years, oh, actually eight years, um, my dog passed away. And for those of you who have fur babies, you know how that is. Um, one of my very good friends who I had reconnected with in Kentucky suddenly died of a heart attack. It was just shocking. Um, and, you know, along the way, a friend of mine said, the thing I admire about you, Elisa, is you always, you get knocked on off the horse. I see you get knocked off the horse. You get back on and you go back in the battle. And which was great. I'm glad he said that. But I thought, why am I always doing battle and taking people on and then in relationships with my with a partner? There's always him versus me or setting up walls around other people. And I would eventually figure out why that was. But as um, the years went on, it seemed like every 18 months there was a, another catastrophe. Um in 2016, my youngest sister, Carrie, died of a brain hemorrhage. And um, Carrie had a really difficult path. She had mental health problems. Um, she was a drug user. And um, it tore our family apart. Um, it's, it was just very, very hard. And for a while, it was not close to my family and had to um, get some distance there. Um, they were back in East Tennessee. And so um, luckily we had just reconnected for my nephew's graduation from high school. And I came up for that. And about four weeks later, she, she died and um, very tragic. And, you know, I got myself back together and got back on target. And it was so weird in 2019, I had all these contracts lined up in, in Florida. I had a $60,000 contract. Um, I had just gone to Europe for two weeks, came back and noticed, they haven't paid me. They haven't paid me in two months. They reneged on the contract. I had so many other job offers 
contracts fall through. I'm like, what's going on? And by this point, my faith in God was, okay, God, I know you have me through this, but what's going on? And then the other shoe dropped. And um, my sister's son, she had uh, two children. Um, he was 21, my nephew, Gavin, and he um, um, died by suicide in 2018. And um, this could be 2019, yeah. Wow, I mean, Elisa, that's like a double whammy. You know, your sister first and then Gavin. Mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, how do you get back up after that? Um, for me, I surrendered. And this is what I hope people will take away from this is when you stop fighting and trying to strategize your life and figure everything out and plan and organize, some of that's good, but you got to let go. And I said, game over. These contracts in Florida aren't working. I, I, I wasn't bringing in the money. And I decided to pack up and go home. And I went back to Tennessee. And I thankfully I got a, a part-time job at the um, NAMI Tennessee. I'm very thankful for that. And um, started growing it from there. And um, got an apartment on the river. And just was so happy to be back home and back in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. What and kind then, of a part-time job were you able to get? Um, it was an advocacy, advocacy position. I still do the work um, for NAMI Tennessee, talking to the legislature about um, mental health issues and teaching people how to tell their story about mental health to legislators so they can affect good policy. And part of the thing after Gavin died, I'm like, I've got to go home and I've got to make sure this doesn't happen to other other kids and other people in Tennessee, because, you know, this is home and I, I just care a lot about it. But um, the interesting thing that happened is once I got home, I got settled. Um, I got more contracts. Um, the more settled I became, I started having flashbacks um, about it felt like childhood trauma and I couldn't quite get what was going on. And um I decided to get to the bottom of it because I'm naturally curious and, you know, truth teller. And let me, let me figure out what's going on with me. And, um, I had, um, disas- I, I was disassociating. So like I would be in a conversation with somebody and my mind would be somewhere else. And then I would come back like, what's going on. So I did, I just, I went in head first. I've got to figure this out. And, um, I did some traditional therapy, some non-traditional therapy, and basically unlocked some memories from childhood. I didn't know were there. And what I learned from a very young age was that people who are trusted in the community um, couldn't be trusted. And furthermore, told me not to tell what was going on because I was threatened. And I couldn't tell my family or parents. And when the memories came back, it, it was, it was a tough process, but wow. when it happened, like I had this one moment, this one aha moment and I'm like, boom, oh my God, that's what happened. And it's like, I broke free, like everything that happened. And then it made sense. Like, no wonder I took on authority figures. No wonder I wanted to tell the truth. No wonder I've created a career about this. 
And literally the next day after I had this aha moment and I took myself out for dinner, I celebrated. The next day I met my boyfriend, Peter. Oh, wow. It was like you were ready. <laughs> it was like you had all this stuff that had to be released. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how that happens? The door closes and then a big one opens. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is so how old were you when you how how old were you when you went through that trauma? Uh, second and third grade. Oh wow. Yeah. And then it was just put down and you know and you put it away mm -hmm. and then it popped up its ugly head. So when he said you were disassociating, mm -hmm. so you would be in a conversation with someone and you would go somewhere else. Was it really like you were gone for that? Like you didn't remember what the conversation was, or were you kind of there and and here at the same time. I was, I would like check out and then it would might, might be just for 15 seconds. And like, oh, wait, what? You know, um, it happened a lot like in meetings, like Zoom meetings. So this was during the pandemic, like at the very beginning, two years yeah. ago, I'd be in a Zoom meeting and look at the clock and be like, what, wait, where have I been for two two minutes? And that's, that's one of the signs. And, but even though I didn't have the memory, um, what happens when we experience childhood trauma is our body is still responding to it. So fight or flight. It, so it affected decisions I made around men, um, around career, self-sabotaging, around authority figures. It, um, it was running the game behind the scenes and I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't know. You have no idea. And you know, so many of the people that we know work with people who are dealing with trauma, but don't know why, you know, all you know is that life isn't going the way I want it to go. And in your case, in your case though, you know, you were fighting the good fight, but people were fighting against you. And somehow, some way your mind, your subconscious said, Hey, we got to get to the bottom of this and started giving you clues. Right. So that's the thing is what are the clues that we see in our lives? So for you, it was, hey, I, I just I'm disassociating. I'm leaving. Right. But um, you're dealing now with people with mental health. And thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah, yeah. thank you for that. There are, you know, I think none of us really talk about it a lot, but almost every person I know has been touched by someone um, with a mental health issue. Right. Whether it's them or their sister or their son. Um, I know personally several people who have taken their life by suicide. More than one, right? Oh, yeah. So it's an epidemic. It's more like a pandemic. And um, thank you for doing that work, really, because it's so dumb to lose people because they make a, a decision in that moment. And then they say, okay, I'm done here. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad you didn't do that. Did you ever get to that point where you were so down that you were thinking, why am I here? Oh yeah. Yeah. And um, when I started thinking about, well, what if, and that's when I called my therapist, <laughs> but Good. not everybody has a therapist on hand or they can, that they can afford. And that's and, me. And there's still this ridiculous stigma about asking for help. Right. And as much as, you know, celebrities talk about it, people like you are talking about it to regular people, 
there's still that, oh, I don't need help. I can do this. Or if I ask for help, everybody's going to know. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think everybody needs to know that we're all human and it all happens. It happens for all of us. I deal with depression. I've been dealing with it for many, many years. I have my ups and my downs. It doesn't rear its ugly head all the time, but every couple of years I, I could, I, I feel this thing come over me and it, it's for no apparent reason. Right. So, I mean, we all have our stuff and Alisa, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, I'm so proud of you that you got past all this and you're in your magic of you live in Nashville and you're home again. The life is good now. And I want to help other people do this too. Um, That's why I wanted to become a coach in addition to the, I still do communications and advocacy work for clients, but I really want to help people find out what their story is and get beyond their trauma or whatever obstacles they're having. Well, I know that you do that. So reach out to Elisa. She's an incredible woman, as you can see. She's been through it. And uh, she knew that asking for help would make a difference for her. Thank you. So what are you doing? So you're working in the mental health field. Is that your full-time thing now? So I have my own business, uh, Top Sale is is the name of my company. So Top Sale has all the letters of my name, Elisa LaPolt. Yes, I love Scrabble. So... (laughs) Um, and so I do communications for a drug and alcohol, um, like awareness organization. Um, I do advocacy for a mental health organization and then I do, uh, coaching. Good. And you work with individuals, entrepreneurs, small Mm -hmm. business owners. Yeah. Um, my target, the niche audience I'm going for, of course, you know, I do coaching for many others, but, um, journalists and don't laugh, politicians, because there's so much attention. There's so much negativity out there. And we need good leaders, heart-centered leaders. And I want to coach these people um, so that they can speak their truth and um, live happy, productive lives, too. Yeah, well, we need somebody to to do that. If I don't know how people say, yes, I'm going into public service when I look around and how that, I mean, just how you were treated as a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you keep going up that pole and people are, there's such scrutiny in your life. So I'm so happy that they have you to help them with all of that. Thanks. And I have to put a plug in for WPN, of course. Um, when I was going through some of the professional stuff, I did join WPN and it was um, it was great. I just felt so supported. And I want to thank you and your sisters for creating such a great organization. Oh, gosh, it's my pleasure. And I do remember when you were going through all of this. And and it was, I, I wasn't clear on exactly what was happening. And I know that it really knocked you down. So if you were to give somebody advice, if they were going through something difficult, traumatic, is there one thing you can suggest that they do so that they can bring themselves back or get the help they need? Yes, I think it's important that they know and understand and feel that you are resilient. You have it within you and you will surprise yourself. When I was going through my process, I learned I'm actually pretty intuitive and um, help people and give intuitive sessions to people. You will learn so much about yourself. You can do it. And when you surrender and just let the universe or higher power 
step in and work with you, amazing things will happen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Reach out for help. None of us is meant to go through this journey alone. Right. And that's one of the beautiful things about Women's Prosperity Network, if I give myself a plug here, is because there's no reason for any, any of us to be alone. Not only do we get business and, and bring in clients, and I mean, the business is obviously what we're here for, the relationships that we make and the, the friendships that we make, make sure that none of us is ever alone. So thank you, Elisa. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for standing up and holding the torch for women, for individuals, for human beings, and for being that light, that light and that heart-centered person who makes a difference every single day. Thank you so much, I appreciate it. Yes, I, I appreciate you. And I thank you all for being with us today on this uh, Be Real, Get Real podcast. I Make sure you reach out to Elisa. I gave you her email address. Find out more about what she's doing with mental health, how she's doing with coaching people, and how she might be able to make a difference for you. So thank you, everyone, for being with us. We'll see you again the next time on another episode of Be Real, Get Real. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks again, Elisa. Thank you. Bye. My pleasure.